Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to the Equine in Theory podcast. This week's episode, I actually have an update and something I want to talk about that's been going on slash happened recently, and uh, yeah, I want to talk about the implications of that, why it's happening, and why it's important. So yeah, let's just jump into this. (laughs) Okay, guys, we're just kind of going to free fall into this one if you're up for that. So um, I guess we should start where everything started. So in my last podcast episode, I talked a little bit about Max's issue with haltering that I noticed that when I would go to put a halter on him, he would bite at the noseband or the cheek pieces and just kind of hang on. And that's not really something that you like to see in horses that you're trying to halter. Um predominantly because a you can't get the halter on and secondly because you might get bit (laughs) so that's no fun but I discussed more of um, the quote-unquote correcting the biting issue in the last episode Um, so yeah that's we had to start with the halter and I'm glad that that problem presented itself actually because it made bridling so much easier like I because I'd already done the work with the haltering and he knew exactly what to do so it it allowed me to just transfer and allow him to generalize uh, what I was asking and he was really able to just solve the puzzle of putting on a bridle with a bit I'm getting ahead of myself but I would just like to say that um, even though I did it semi-accidentally, it was also sort of on purpose because Mac told me exactly where we needed to start, and um, that was with the halter. And by breaking it down so far, because you don't really think that, like, you know, a halter is is quite different from a bridle with a bit, but breaking it down so much to just, can you stick your nose in this? And then can I put it over your head? And then can I actually lift it buckled over your head? And so on and so forth until, oh, you have a bridle on. So I will get into more of how I did that in a bit. But first, I kind of want to talk about what happened the first time I tried to put a bridle on him. So he was out in his paddock and um, I had worked with him in his paddock all the time. That's where we'd been working mostly. Now, this was prior to ulcer treatment, and um, he was also on a grain that was rather high in sugar, um, had lots of molasses in it, and um, if you do some research on that or if you want to, um, a really helpful website that I found was DuPalo Equine Concepts and you just go to their health library and you can read all about nutrition and ulcers and how they come to be. And the fact of the matter is we really should just feed all horses as if they're insulin resistant because their bodies really aren't made to tolerate high, if any, levels of sugar and um, it can create ulcers. Um, Just like I'm could be wrong here, but I feel like the same thing happens in your mouth because I'm really prone to getting canker sores like on the insides of my cheeks. And um, I actually just recently got one under my tongue and that was really fun to deal with. Um, But I've noticed it's correlated when I consume a lot of sugar. So I don't know if that's just my own study. I have not looked into that extensively. So take it with a grain of salt or sugar. (laughs) Terrible jokes. Okay. Anyway, so... um, The first time I walked out there, mind you, he was ulceric at the time and as a result had a bit of a hot cold behavior thing going on. 
So what that means is that, um, you know, horses are flight animals. So um, they're prey animals. So when they're compromised in some way, be it pain or discomfort, um, you know, they're on high alert mode all the time. And Mac was already kind of on high alert mode <laughs> when he first came here. But having ulcers on top of that, I mean, which could have been the cause, but um, that on top of it just made him that much more ah, 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 jumpy, ah, everything is scary. I just, I'm looking at the waveforms of that right now, and I apologize if you're listening to this in headphones, my bad. Um, <laughs> but he was just, like, very afraid of everything, and if I moved too quickly, he was out of there. And the reason is because he's protecting himself, and if he's compromised, then that's even more reason for him to protect himself. You know, the weakest one in the herd gets taken down by the mountain lion, so he's extra prepared to run away. So, using that logic, I now understand why this happened. Um, but at the time, I wasn't aware that he um, had ulcers. And um, so I went out there and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I am just going to, you know, he's had a bridle put on thousands of times. And I honestly, I didn't even have a bridle. I was starting with the, um, the bitless attachment. Um, so it's just a, a single head stall. It doesn't have a brow band or an ear thing or anything. Um, and it's just got the bitless attachment. It had reins. And I was like, I'm just going to go out there and throw this on him. And we're not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm not going to break it down and like be all weird about it and make him like even more nervous about it. That backfired. <laughs> um, so I went out there and I, um, I'm not one to throw reins over a horse's head. Um, so I just like lifted it up over his head and he raised his head and instead of listening, I was like, no, this is normal and we're just going to do it normally because you've had this done before. Um, so I just lifted it up over his head and kept pushing and kept pushing and I just watched him go right over threshold until he was bolting away from me. The only problem was the reins were already over his head. So um, as he's bolting away from me, I'm watching the bridle bounce against his knees as it's like dangling off his off his pole. And he finally came to a stop, like legs braced out in front of him, neck all the way to the side and ear tipped down because the reins were hanging off of one ear. And I was like, hmm. So that, it's, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, lesson learned. Let's not take things for granted and let's meet the horse where he's at instead of saying, you've done this before, you're fine. Um, you know, that old mentality slipping in. <laughs> um, so I kind of just called it quits there. I was like, let's work on something else. We're not going to do this today. And then I kind of dropped it for a while and, um, I just was like, I'm not close to riding him, so there's really no point in working on it. And I'm honestly glad that that happened as well because it gave me time to work on haltering and get the ulcer thing sorted. Um, so in the last podcast, I talked quite extensively about the haltering procedure, so I'll just run through it pretty quickly here. Um, you know, we were treating him for ulcers because biting is a huge indicator that the horse might have ulcers. Um, you know, defensive. And also with his history, um, we figure being ear twitched or tongue tied. Well, that one's pretty, pretty much a given um, due to the injury on his tongue, but I'll get there. Um, <laughs> super fun. Uh, so, um, you know, he's very defensive around his head because he's been mishandled. So 
I have to meet him where he's at and work on that. And I worked on him targeting my hand with his mouth closed. And it's really cute because he'll reach out his head, even if he's chewing a treat, and touch my hand and then stop moving his mouth completely until I click. And um, so that's pretty awesome um, that he's come that far. And, you know, not all of that is training. It's also the ulcer treatment. Also, take a shot every time I say ulcer. I'm so sorry. Um, But he... uh, Dealing with the ulcers helped him become less defensive and, you know, he didn't need to bite anymore. And he realized that hands are good things. My hands are not going to punch him in the face. I'm not going to grab his tongue and tie it up and I'm not going to grab his ear and pull it really hard to the side. That's what ear twitching is. It's, um, if you don't know what that is, you know what a lip twitch is. You take this chain and, or rope and wrap it around their lip really tight. It hurts and it releases endorphins. So the horse like mellows out. It's like tranking without tranking. Um, but ear twitching is essentially the same principle, except it produces ear shy horses. So don't do it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so with the haltering, um, in combination with treating for ulcers, um, the training really helped um, because you can't train through pain. If he had been ulceric and I kept trying and kept trying, I probably would have been like, well, this training doesn't work. But no, it was a different problem. It wasn't the training's issue. You can't cover up with training what's already under there with pain. It's going to come out one way or another. So, um... To run through quickly the haltering procedure, I just sort of held out the halter, and when he put his nose in it and did not bite it, then I clicked and reinforced. And if you want the whole thing, go back an episode or check it out on YouTube, and I have a whole video about it. So I would just hold it and wait for him to put his nose in it, and the first session was a little rough, and um, it was mentally taxing on both of us, but the second session, um, we were out in his paddock, and he was much more relaxed, and um, for whatever reason, (laughs) and I just had him put his nose in there, and then I would count backwards, um, starting at one, and then I moved up to two, so I'd go to one, and um, I actually learned that listening to Cindy Martin on an Equiosity podcast, and that way, it's better than counting up, because you can't cheat, so if you're counting up, and you're like, I'm gonna do four seconds, one, two, three, four, the horse still has his head in there, five, and then by that time, you're like, oh, I've ruined it, and now I've missed my clickable moment, so um, I really like the idea of counting backwards, so I would have him hold his head in there, and I only worked up to four seconds, because I was like, I really don't need longer than that, I think he gets the idea, Um, but we could have gone for longer, and worked more on duration there, but I just held it out and said four, three, two, one, click, treat, and took the halter off. And then I worked up to being able to buckle it over his head. First, I I think I did it first without having his nose in it. Um, granted, this is a horse that knows what a halter is. He's done it before, so it wasn't surprising to him. But um, still, if he was uncomfortable with it, he would be the first to let me know because he certainly did with a bridle, despite having had that put on many a time. Um, so I did that and um, eventually got to where I could slip it over his nose and he would willingly seek the hole in the halter to put his nose in and then buckle it over his head. All was well. Um, so then fast forward to a while later and uh, we're here. So I... Um, I decided the other day that it's time to start working on bridling because his demeanor has totally changed with, um, you know, taking care of the ulcer problem. (laughs) Um, He is much more relaxed. He's much more predictable. And I'm not constantly like watching all of my limbs in case I'm going to get bit or struck out at. Um, 
so completely demeanor change. Um, so I, um, I went into a stall the other day and I had my, the same hackamore and I put the reins over my shoulder and I held out the nose piece and he just like with a halter, he was like, Oh, it's the same thing. Stuck his nose right in it, held it there. I clicked treat. And I repeated that over and over again. And, um, this was actually at about like eight, eight thirty at night. <laughs> I was doing this out in this paddock. Um, it was just a spur of the moment kind of thing. And, um, so then I decided to go ahead after a few repetitions of that to go ahead and pull the head stall over his ears. So he, I held it there and I'd worked up to a certain amount of seconds and then I was going to just pull it over his ears, just like you would. Um, and he just lifted his head and backed out of the, the nose piece. And I was like, Hmm, okay. So I gave it another shot and it, he just was like, made it very clear. This is not happening. And I was like, okay, well I have two options here. I can be smarter than the horse and think of something else to do, um, that will translate easier for him and make him more comfortable. Or I can just force it on his face. And I was like, well, that didn't work for me last time (laughs) beyond ethical reasoning. That just didn't work last time. So I'm not going to do that. Um, so what I did was I unbuckled the head stall so that it was just like his halter because his halter um, buckles. It doesn't have like the cheek clasp. So I held it out, had him put his nose in it and reached on the other side and swung it over his neck and buckled it. No reaction. And so I unbuckled it, took it off, did the same thing, did the same thing, did the same thing. Clicker training is so much repetition. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, to Alexander Curlin's point, a clicker trained horse has so many more repetitions than the traditional method because how many times have I been putting, like taking it on and off his face, on and off his face, on and off his face versus just, no, I'm, you're going to put it on and now it's on, let's go ride. Um, and you know, not all traditional trainers are like that. Of course, some work on repetition, but um, Mac is going to be far better off with me taking it on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off <laughs> than he would be had I just forced it on one time. So... sorry, tangent. Um, so now, um, the next thing I did was, um, I think, I think I just went straight to, okay, well, I've done this before. Um, back in my traditional days when I had a horse that I would turn out and if they were one to just like rip their faces out of the halter and bolt off, um, I did this thing where I would take it off one ear and then put it back on and then take it off one ear and put it back on, which is kind of a mean thing to do. I think that there are many other ways to do that than just force the horse to wait and um, submit to this arbitrary time of, I'm gonna take it off now, you know? Um, So I was like, let's do that, but let's do it well. So, um, So I held out the nose piece, he put his nose in it, I buckled it over his head, and then I um, clicked and reinforced for that. And then I took the head stall and I took it off both ears and then I just pulled it back on. So he was getting exposed to it being pulled off his ears and on his ears, but without having it come up in front of his face. Um, so it wasn't everything all at once. It was just this little part of it. He's already comfortable with it on his nose and he was comfortable with it being on his head, but now he needs to be comfortable with it being taken on and off his head but I just left out the it's coming up and over your face part. So um, I did that for several repetitions and I took it all the way off. Then I did the same thing where I buckled it and took it on and off. And then I was like, okay, we're probably ready to try 
putting it on. So I held out the nose piece and I had it buckled, he put his nose in it, and I went to pull the headpiece over and he raised his head really high and I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went ahead and clicked and treat. I was like, you know, he's, he's being honest with me. So I will respect that. And I pulled it off. And then the second time something really cool happened. Um, I held out the nose piece, he stuck his nose in, and when I grabbed both sides of the head stall to pull it over his ears, he didn't move. He just stood there, relaxed, chewing on his reward from the last go, and I pulled it over his ears with no problem. So I was just like elated. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to have to go edit this video right now and put it on the internet. And I did, and it's all over my YouTube. Um, so very cool. Um, the next thing I did was the next day. I went into a stall and um, we have a like an English head stall that has an actual brow band and a, um, a hot dog bit. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with what uh, the slang term is, uh, it's a hot dog bit. I'm choking on my words here. Um, <laughs> just had a stroke. Um, a hot dog bit is essentially just a solid piece of rubber. It's flexible, um, but it's rather thick and then it's a loose ring. So I was like, because we've had several horses out here that either root, hang on the bit, or go rain lame. And rain lame is like when you pull up, collect, or like take up contact, they, um, they look like they're lame, but they're not. They just are when you take up contact. Um, but they go really well on the hot dog bit for whatever reason, a little $15 bit. Um, so I was like, surely this will work for Mac. And... The reason I want something really soft in his mouth is because when I was at the Alexander Curlin Clinic, um, I was giving him his ulcer guard. You know, he's in a new place. I don't want ulcers. So I was like, we're going to be preventative. So I stuck the ulcer guard in his mouth and I saw a huge bump on like the left side of his tongue. And I was like, hmm. And so, you know, naturally I'm like, hold still, Mac. And I'm like shoving this ulcer guard thing in there so I can look at his mouth. And he had like scarring on either side of his tongue and this big bump of what I assume is scar tissue. Um, and yeah, so I was like, huh, that looks like, you know, the repercussions of a too tight or just tongue tying in general. Um, so I got Cindy and Sunny and I was like, Hey, you guys come look at this. And I showed them and they were like, Oh, that's not good. Um, so with that in mind, I was like, okay, um, we're going to have to find a bit that can work around that. Now, I've been asked by several people because I posted on Facebook and I was like, what do you guys do with your tongue-tied horses that have problems um, or scar tissue? How do you deal with a bit? And do you have recommendations? And everyone was like, just go bitless. And I was like, okay, well, that's a great suggestion, but he's not my horse. If he was my horse, I would absolutely just ride him bitless. However... The unfortunate reality is that he's not, and he's going to most likely be sold after the Retired Racehorse Project. And, um, you know, I don't know who he's going to encounter next and what they're going to expect of him. If they want to do eventing or dressage, he's going to have to wear a bit because for some freaking reason, FBI, FBI, I always mess that up, FBI does not allow you to compete bitless, which is so ludicrous to me. I could go on a tangent about that. Like, I'm not a bit hater by any definition of the word, but like, come on. The the whole purpose of dressage is to demonstrate obedience, suppleness, and self-carriage. Like, if a horse can do that without a bit in his mouth, let alone 
or you know just to even extend without a bridle then why do you need it why do i have to have a bit in my horse's mouth like if he goes better in a hackamore why does he need a bit i i think it's just a huge disservice to horses like mac who have a tongue problem or maybe have a bad association with bits and maybe just go super well in hackamores like i just think it's 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 ludicrous that that's not acceptable um fei can fight me on that because i'm so frustrated by it um Anyway, so the reality is I don't know where he's going to end up, and if he's going to need a bit, I want him to be comfortable with it. I want him to be um, content in it and able to communicate which one he likes best. So I just paused because there was a bug crawling on a pillow, and I fly-swatted it, and then it didn't die. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just pick you up and take you outside, and then it fell off the pillow, and I lost it. So... <laughs> That's how my night is going. Anyway, the point is, I don't know if Mac is going to need a bit or not, but if he does, then I want to be able to tell his future owner, this is what he goes in, I tried everything else, and this is what he said he's most comfortable in. So, yeah. So, I just, I want to set him up for success. I want to be the one that was responsible for his training, and I found the bug. Hold on. <laughs> Never mind, now he's stuck in my couch, and I can't get him out. Anyway, um... <laughs> the side the bug crisis here um so yeah so I decided the next day that I would revisit the hackamore and try the hot dog bit since I'd had success on our other sensitive beans so I take the hackamore into a stall do the same thing present the nose piece he puts it in I buckle it and then I present it again and he puts his nose in it and I pulled it over his face totally fine zero reaction and I was like great we have a horse that is confident and this being pulled over his head now not a problem. Let's move on to the bit. So after I finished up with the hackamore, I was like, cool, let's move on to the bit. And so I held it up and I was like, what I'm going to do, I had a game plan going into this one. I was like, I'm just going to hold it up and let him touch it. And Mac has had a bit in before. He knows the drill, but I wasn't going to force it into his mouth. So I'm just holding it. And I asked him, or I clicked and reinforced for him touching it with his nose and then after a little while I would sort of delay my click just to see if I could get him to like mess around with it a little bit and be like look human I'm touching it why aren't you clicking and that led to him sort of like putting his lips around it and then I clicked and reinforced for that and I want to put a disclaimer here you have to be very very careful working with extinction like that um, because you know he was giving me the right behavior and I was putting him into a mild extinction process by um, delaying the click but if done well I think that in very very small doses extinction can be useful um, because you know he wasn't super frustrated he wasn't like oh my god stomping around he was just like hmm this isn't working let me do it bigger so that you <laughs> notice and then soon he was biting it and I was like ah perfect so um be very very careful with that and um consult a professional on it before you go working with extinction processes but it wasn't full-on extinction of the behavior it was just he's not getting reinforced for what normally works um but I think to a degree in shaping that's always there or usually there I don't know. It could be an unpopular opinion. Anyway, so um, he started um, putting it in between his lips, and then soon he was biting it and pulling it up into his mouth with his tongue, and I was just clicking, clicking, clicking. I was like, you are a star. 
And so um, then after that, I worked up to being able to bring it over his ears and he quickly said no to that. And I was like, all right. So I, um, I just took, took it off completely and then just set it over his ear and clicked and reinforced for that, set it over both ears, just like kind of put it on his, on his ears and he was fine. And then, um, the next time I asked him to target it, when I pulled it up over his ears, he was perfectly fine with it. Now, the next thing that happened, um, was concerning to me because I was like, we did it, but he's wearing a bridle. Oh my God. It has a bit in, he's fine. And then he started like rolling his head around and just shaking it and was clearly not comfortable. And I was like, Ooh, okay, take that off. And I was like, so that bit's an, a hard no. And, um, <laughs> so then today I did the same thing all over again. Um, uh, but I tried the Nishule Demianki bit we're going to pretend I know how to say that. And, um, the, it's like a French link Boucher, Boucher, however everyone pronounces it. I say Boucher. Um, and so I was going to try those two to see, um, what he liked best. So we worked on it. He targeted everything wonderfully, pulled it into his mouth and I got it on. And, um, the Demi Yankee was a hard no. <laughs> he was tossing his head and rolling his eyes. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. I'm sorry. So I took it off. And then I um, tried the um, the Boucher. And that one he was much better in. Less head rolling, but still was just acting like he really just wanted to take the bridle off. And, you know, to an outlook or an onlooker, outsider, <laughs> combine the two, um, to an outsider, you would think he's shaking his head because it's bothering his ears. Something's up there, but that's rolled out because of the other head stall that's attached to the bit list. So it's not the head stall, it's the bit. And, um, so I'm going to do my best to see if I can find one that he is at least okay with. Um, but for all intents and purposes, I am going to continue with the bitless. And the bitless attachment I've been using is called the LG bitless bridle. It's quite pricey, but I looked around for a really long time and that was the one that I was like, I think that this I'll have the best success rate with. Um, originally bought it for Zoe, but um, I guess Mac will get to break it in because he, he really likes having it on. He's like, this is great. I'm getting reinforced for it. It's not uncomfortable and it fits. And so all the wonderful things. Um, I swear I never need to burp more than when I'm trying to record a podcast. So if you hear random pauses with, <laughs> it's me like trying to quietly burp, but it's still on the podcast. So I'm too lazy to pause it and edit it out. That's way too much work. That's what YouTube is for, not podcasts. Podcasts are supposed to be raw voice cracks included. Um, but yeah, I think that that is about it. I just wanted to kind of talk about, um, how we got there and, um, why it matters. And like I said earlier, um, doing it this way, the horse gets so many repetitions, so many opportunities to be right and so much reinforcement. And that in turn builds a positive association with the bridle. And they're like, yeah, this is great. Please put it on my face. You can't get it on fast enough. Um, but, um, and it also gives the horse an opportunity to tell you what they do and don't like if you're, oh my God, I just like could not get a word out. Um, <laughs> if you're, open to watching and reading them and interpreting as best you can what they're trying to tell you, then you can really get a lot out of it. 
And um, Mac was very obvious, fortunately for me. He was like, this sucks. Um, so I'm going to try some other bits and um, see if we can get something that he is okay with. Um, but for the foreseeable future, you know, we might just have to say, look, new person, he goes in a bitless bridal because of his tongue. Deal with it. And if you can't, you don't get the wonderful macadoodle. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Ultimately, it's not my decision. It's his owner's. And um, so we'll just have to see what the future holds with that. Um, but I think it's really important because um, it gives him choice as well. And something that is scary to him, you know, having a bridle come up over his head, being able to break that down into small digestible pieces for him where he's like, oh, okay, this is like that and this is like that. And all of it is the same and it's not scary and she's not going to hurt me. And um, it just allows him the opportunity to get very comfortable with um, things that scare him. And, um, you know, with the halter too, um, it created a positive association with something he clearly did not like. And, uh, I mean, I don't bite things <laughs> that I like. So, um, and I don't think horses do either unless they're playing. But, um, with his halter, he was like, nah, you're not putting that on me. Cause if you bite it or if I bite it, I, you can't put it on me. So, um, to be able to say here, Mac, can I put the halter on you? And him say, I'd be happy to stick my nose in it is is a way of consent. I, I, I shy away from using that word with horses because um, the first time I heard it, it really like sent me the opposite direction. I was like, okay, now we're having consenting horses. All right. <laughs> um, I was like, what's next? But I think that there is something to it. Absolutely. Because you're, instead of just like saying, okay, horse, I'm going to put this on you. You say, can I put this on you? And they're like, yeah go for it and then give me a treat after <laughs> like this rules and you know eventually over time like we can put a halter on Mac now and he doesn't have to get a treat every time um he's very good about reading when it's a training session but regardless he doesn't bite his halter anymore and I can't wait to see where we can go with the bridling um he's so willing to have it on now and it just it makes me so happy because it's so night and day different from the horse that's galloping away from me with reins dangling from his ear and the bridle hitting his knees um so and the last thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that first session it sounds like a whole lot but guess how long it took me and this isn't like a bragging point it's more like how awesome the training is and how well it works yeah doing the haltering took like two different like 15 20 minute sessions but for me to transfer that to the hackamore and get it to be able to be pulled over his ears in a way that was comfortable for him took seven minutes seven minutes that is insane like absolutely insane because i i thought it took me like 20 but then when i looked back at the footage and i was editing it i was like oh my god that literally only took seven minutes and like in total from me like saying hi mac to uh, the bridle's on now and he's not risen his head or reacted at all it was really awesome and um the bit took about five minutes for him to from after I took the hackamore off and just presented the bit from him just touching it to accepting it in his mouth and me being able to put it over his ears took five so 
you know, you can sit around and say positive reinforcement takes too long and, um, you know, I don't have time for all of that, but it, it doesn't take long at all. If you can set aside five minutes, like just take five minutes out of your writing time and, you know, instead of writing for 45 or 30, take five minutes to work on bridling if your horse has an issue with it. Of course, start with everything else that comes with positive reinforcement. I don't recommend just jumping into one issue because then you might have a little treat monger and your horse probably isn't going to understand marker signals. Um, so start there and, um, you know, on a rainy day or something. And then you can move into, you know, working on correcting issues and finding holes in the training. And I just think it's really cool <laughs> that it didn't take long at all. And now I have a horse that is super, super confident. I have no doubt in my mind that if I had just forced it on him, he probably would have been one that had his head in the rafters all the time and was never truly comfortable with it. That wiggles and doesn't want it on and you have to sort of wrangle their head around and pull it up on. And see, see what I mean about burping? This literally doesn't happen unless I'm trying to record a podcast. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm disgusting. Um, but yeah, so I just think that that is really, really cool and speaks volumes about the horses because they are so willing to work with us if we'll work with them instead of to them, you know, <laughs> like work with them. And um, yeah, now we have a horse that is like, please put the bridle on me. I am so down. And I think that that's going to translate really well into other areas of our training. Um, and to the sentiment of, um, you know, fixing problems in the training, I think that just putting the bridle on him would have been more of a band-aid solution. And I said this in my Instagram caption, but I thought it was quite the metaphor. So, you know, I'm going to say it again because <laughs> I'm proud of my little brain for thinking up that one. But if you put a band-aid on a training problem, sooner or later, the problem is going to come around to bite you in the butt. It's like covering a hole with a band-aid. Sooner or later, you or someone else is going to forget about that band-aid cover hole and step in it, and then you have a whole other problem. Somebody's likely going to get hurt, trip, break a leg, <laughs> anything. Um, it's going to come out in one way or another. So I think that it is much more beneficial to be proactive and set the horse up for success by showing them exactly what it is that you're going to do and breaking it down in digestible pieces where the horse is comfortable the whole time instead of just what I did the first time and threw him way over threshold way fast. You know, we're so used to these things that we normalize them, but for horses, sometimes it either has a bad association or they have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> so um, for Mac, it was the bad association. So he needed me to break it down and take my time with him. If, seven freaking minutes of my time to fix that issue. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And, you know, now he's had a bridle on and off and on and off and on and off probably a hundred times in the last three days. So he's very comfortable with it. And I don't know. I just think it's an awesome mentality to have to just think, break it down, make it understandable, and make them comfortable and don't send them over threshold those four things just keep everything and everyone happy, easy, and safe. So with that, if you have any band-aid covered holes, please fill them with dirt or cement and <laughs> create a better foundation and um, help your horses. And, you know, it's our responsibility. It's not on them to just get over things. It's not on them to just accept our world just because we feed them or own them or 
you know, do whatever for them. It's on us to help them be more comfortable in our world. And it's up to us to, you know, teach them. That's what we're here for. Whether you like it or not, if you work with horses, you're training every time you're around them. You're either training them good or training them bad. (laughs) So, you know, do what you can to improve your horse's life. And um, even if it doesn't look exactly like what I do, you know, it's all about working towards the same goal. So with that, I am going to leave you guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and maybe it gave you some ideas about some issues that you've been having with your horse. So thank you guys so much for listening and I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Equine in Theory. I post new episodes every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Jet Equitheory. That's J-E-T-E-Q-U-I-T-H-E-O-R-Y. Wow, I'm really good at spelling. <laughs> also, I have a website called jetequitheory.com, spelled the same way, believe it or not. And um, I have a resource page on there complete with books and articles and podcasts and all of the good recommendations um, for you guys if you're interested in getting started. Um, Beyond that, I also have a glossary page that defines all of the terms. If you're confused about what positive, negative reinforcement punishment means, um, then give that a read over or why use a clicker at all. And to that sentiment, I actually have a blog, and one of those blog posts is about why I use a clicker at all. I have another blog post about why I haven't been riding lately, and the most recent blog post I put up yesterday, in fact, it will not be yesterday for you, but um, is called Positive Reinforcement. Is it just a fad? And I think that it's a really good I spent really a long time writing that, um, very carefully writing it. so that it would be accessible for everyone, whether you do positive reinforcement or not. And it tackles why it's not a fad and all of the concerns of horses are too big, they might bite, you can't train them with food, you know, they're dangerous, they need to respect you. It tackles all of those issues in a rather concise way. It's still pretty long, but it took me a really long time to write in concise or make it shorter. That's what I mean. (laughs) Um, So give that a read. Be sure to check it out. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate the support. I love reading all of you guys' reviews. You guys' reviews. My language is getting rough. Um, Thank you guys all for the wonderful reviews. And if you haven't left a review yet, please do rate the show. It boosts me in the algorithm and allows me to share my story and experiences and thoughts with more people that are perhaps not on the same wavelength or maybe are not quite as like-minded but might be someday so planting little seeds of positive reinforcement so just do me a favorite write a review rate the show do we can um yeah and thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm finally gonna end this podcast this has been the longest outro i think i've ever done in my life so thank you guys check us out on social media and be sure to read my blog i worked really hard on it (laughs) okay thank you guys so much have a good day night stall cleaning feeding horses afternoon hack whatever it may be goodbye